Hey guys, this is the New Heights Church Podcast, and we just want to welcome you and thank you for joining us today. We hope this message inspires and encourages you. Here at New Heights, we exist to love people and point them to Christ. Enjoy today's service. I'm about to preach a message to you that the Lord put on my heart uh, last week and basically put a mandate on me to begin a series immediately. Ever since then, he's been waking me up in the middle of the night. He's been waking me up early in the morning. He's just been downloading these different keys. He's been leading me to different segments of the Bible, all on one concept and one uh, uh, topic, worship. Everybody say worship. Worship is probably one of the most underutilized and misunderstood facets of the body of Christ. Because we all have our own idea of what worship is. But the truth is, is that the scripture itemizes what worship is quite clearly. But for each one of us, worship is something that we either take part in or we don't take part in. Or we were raised in a family that did it. Or we were raised in a family that didn't do it. Or we have a church background where we did it a certain way. We had a church background where we didn't do it a certain way. We had no church background. Wherever we come from, we have to understand that worship is not something that we invented. Worship is something that's been going on for all of eternity and will go on for all eternity. And when you go to heaven and when you get in the presence of Almighty God, it is not going to be quiet. The throne room of heaven is filled with the worship of Almighty God. And, and I'll say this also. There's a guy named Lucifer who was an angel. And when he stopped worshiping is when he got flung from heaven. Worship is not optional in heaven. The Bible said when Jesus was asked, can you teach us how to pray? They, he said, he said, I tell you what you ought to pray for. You ought to pray that the kingdom of heaven would come here like it is, on, would come here like it is in heaven. Would come to earth like it is in heaven. He said, I'll teach you what you ought to pray for. You ought to, you ought to pray that what's going on in heaven starts going on on earth. He said, because when you see that, now you'll get in congruence with what's actually going to happen for all of eternity. And you won't be shocked when you get there. Many people are going to be shocked when they get to heaven. Because they, they, they didn't know Jesus was serious when he said, I'm preparing mansions for you. I need three people to say amen so we can move forward. Some of y'all gonna be, some people are gonna be shocked when you get to heaven and you find out streets of gold meant streets of G-O-L-D gold. You're gonna be shocked when you get to heaven and, and you hear the, the sounds and the extravagance of heaven and the extravagant worship of Almighty God. It's gonna, you're, you're just gonna be shocked. Some people with certain backgrounds, they're gonna be like, well, I thought you were just supposed to be quiet in heaven, sing the first verse and the third verse, skip the fifth verse, and then go back to the chorus one more time. I thought you were only supposed to sing with this kind of music. I thought you weren't supposed to have music. I thought you were only supposed to have this kind of instrument. I didn't think you were supposed to have an instrument. You're gonna be shocked when you get to heaven and you find out that Jesus is the light of that city and worship is going on 24-7 in heaven. Worship is not optional in heaven. Worship, worship is, a, is, is a tool. It's, a, it's, a, it's an asset. It's an opportunity. If it's nothing else, it's the most grand opportunity that you and I may have because at that point, we can actually control in some sense, and I know it's hard to say that word, but, but we can even control where the presence of God goes. Most of the time, we don't need God to do something. We just need God to show up. Because when God shows up, He does something. 
You say, well, I thought he was omnipresent. I thought he was everywhere. He is. When I talk about him showing up, I'm talking about the glory of Almighty God. I'm talking about when everything changes and, and your, your, your problems melt like wax. And you can't remember what you were frustrated with your wife about. Because the presence began to come and burn off all the dross. You can't remember what you were frustrated about. Everything begins to change and everything begins to shift. The Bible says in John 4 verse 23, the time has come, the hour comes, and now is. Somebody say now is. When true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeks such to worship Him. Everybody say spirit and truth. I just want to kind of give you a heads up. Next 10, 15 minutes, I might step on your toes. And, and if I do, I just want you to know that the only reason I mention any of these things is because they are in God's holy Bible. Somebody say holy Bible. He's looking for people to worship in spirit and truth. The Bible says an unjust balance is an abomination to God. You can worship in spirit passionately, but if you're not worshiping in truth, you're incorrect. You can worship in truth and have no passion and you are incorrect because he is looking for spirit and truth. Spirit meaning the, the, the passion of a thing, the, the fire, the gusto. Truth meaning accurate. You can't just worship God and act like anything you believe is correct. You could have believed something your whole life and be wrong. You ever heard about the lady that cooked a pot roast every time and she cooked the pot roast, the first thing she did was cut it in half, put it in the pot. She cooked the pot roast for 20 years just like that, cut it in half, put it in the pot, cooked it, always turned out good until finally somebody says, why you cut the thing in half? She said, well, my, my mom always cut it in half and I learned from her, so I, that's why I do it. Well, her mother was up in age and she said, well, I wonder, does it make it more tender? What does it do? And she goes to her mom. Her mom's up in age and she said, Mom, you know, I, you taught me everything. You taught me how to cook. You taught me how to do all these things. She said, you know, you, cut, you said, whenever you cook pot roast, you cut it in half. So I always cut my pot roast in half. She said, why do, why do we cut the pot roast in half? She said, oh, honey, I cut it in half because I didn't have a pot big enough. <laughs> Sometimes you can do something your whole life and have no clue why you're doing it. It can even be wrong. Some of you may have been raised in a racist household. Like, it doesn't matter how much you love the person that, 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 that made those racist comments. They're wrong. It doesn't mean you should stop loving them either, by the way. But they're incorrect. You could have been raised in a household, even a Christian household, that wagged its finger at other Christians. You know what? They should have never, they just take it too far. They go too far at that church. They go over the top. Or, you know what? They just don't go far enough at that church. That's their problem. I can't believe this. It doesn't matter. You are incorrect. You could have done it your entire life. You can find out that you're wrong. And you know what? You can do something. It's really powerful. It's one of the most powerful things you can do. Everybody look me right in the face because maybe the most important point of the entire sermon. One of the things you can do in your life that's amazing, you can change. Come on. Give God a hand of praise if you're just like, you know what? I think I might can change too. I, 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 think, I think I might can become something different. Because what happens is you, you, can, you can hear the truth. But if you got no spirit with it, 
you're still out of line. You see what I'm saying? Spirit and truth. Now, the word worship in that text is a very interesting word. I won't try to pronounce it because I'm from East Texas, praise the Lord. But in the original language, the word, like most of the time when you hear a word from another language, you really don't need a translation as much as you need an interpretation. So if, if I were talking to somebody, say that they speak German and I speak English, more or less I do. But if I walked up and I said to somebody who speaks German and we had somebody that was in between us and I said, hey, what's up? And they translated specifically what I said. The person who heard it in German would get the two words, what's up? And they might just start looking up. They're like, I don't know. There's some lights. There's a ceiling. I don't know. Like Christmas lights. Is it Christmas? I don't know what's happening. What's going on? But what they need is an interpretation. What he was saying is, how are you doing? How's things going? So most of the time we need an interpretation. And a lot of times an interpretation is given by an example. That's why Jesus oftentimes taught in pictures. So remember one time he grabbed a mustard seed and he was like, hey, look, you can have faith the size of a mustard seed. Now, a mustard seed's only about as big as a grain of sand. So that's what sets you free to know you don't have to have skyscraper faith to have mountain-moving power. He said, if you've got faith the size of a mustard seed, you can tell a mountain to get out of your way. And in one picture, one metaphor, we had an understanding of what he was trying to say. So that word worship... It literally means like to greet with a holy kiss. Like if your wife was, was gone for a long time and she comes in the door and you're like, oh my gosh, I'm so, I miss you so much. Yeah, i give you a kiss. And, and one, one, one translation or one interpretation, the example they give is like a dog greets its owner. All you dog people are like, I get it. Praise the Lord. All you cat people are like, I hate this church. I'll talk about cats next week. We'll trade recipes. Praise the Lord. Anyway. I'm supposed to say I'm sorry, but I'm not. Oh, that was funny. Meow. We got three cats. That's it. All right. The interpreter says like a dog greets its owner. Now, now look, I got, I got, we, got, we got two dogs. All right? One dog's a great Pyrenees. Her name's Rose. She barks at everything. Woof, woof, woof. Real loud. The other one is Hank, the couch dog. And he's a Jack Russell Terrier. And I love him like the deserts love rain. That's how much I love this dog. And I love him for a lot of reasons. One of the reasons I love him is he does just about everything I say. And he will not do anything anybody else says. And I thought that was cool until it turned on me. Because, like, the kids will let him outside to go do his business. And they're like, Hank, come back. Hank, come back. And he's like, you ain't going to make me. I ain't coming. And so they'll come back in the house. They're like, Dad, you need to get your dog. I'm like, oh, it backfired. But your dog is, is interesting. Like, like, if you have a dog, you know what I'm talking about. If you don't have a dog, you have no idea what I'm talking about right now. But if you have a dog, like, if we heard how you talk to your dog when nobody's around, I was, I was getting ready this morning. Kids had to come to church early. I was, I was finishing getting ready. Crystal comes in and says, what, what do you want me to do with Hank? 
I said, I'll just leave them in here with me. As soon as they walk out, I start having a conversation like the dogs won't talk back to me. <laughs> how are you this morning, Hank? He's just staring at me. Hey, how, how are you? Did you sleep good? He's just staring at me. I said, you need to go outside? He's just staring at me. I said, I'll bet you need to go outside. Let's go outside. So I take the dog outside. I go out there, open the door, go outside. And I, I'm standing there on the back porch. I got my hand on my hip. Dog standing right there just staring at me in the grass. I say, you need to potty? Now, I didn't even talk to my kids that way. I don't know what it is about a dog. You talk to a dog. I'm like, you need to potty? You need to go? We'll go home. And he, he looks at me, takes a couple of steps, looks back. You want me to go like over here? I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go out there. Go potty. He walks over. I'm not going to show you all how he does it, but he, he walks over. <laughs> he does his business. And while he's doing it, I'm like, good boy, good boy. I think most of you would potty better if you had a cheerleader while you were pottying. Good job. Look at you. Good boy. Ladies, that might help us out. I'm just going to... Good boy. Do, do you need to potty? Well, I didn't think I did. I might now. I'll tell you. I'll go try. I'll go try. Good boy. I'm just telling him, good boy, Hank. He's just looking at me. Gets done. I'm like, he's done. I'm like, you done? He's just looking at me. I'm like, well, come on. He's like, all right. He starts trotting into the house. Treat him like a king. He ain't never opened the door for himself. Open the door for him. He goes in. He's like, what are we going to do now, Dad? We're going to play catch. We're we going to sit on the couch. We're going to watch some TV. You want to get one of my toys? You want me to do a trick? Go get some cheese. I'll do a trick. I'm just sitting there looking at him. He's full of energy. And see, what, what he doesn't know is... I don't know if he knows, but when he least expects it, like the prison warden side of me shows back up. And I'm like, hey, got to go to church, man. You got to get in your house. Now, house sounds nice, but it's a cage. It's a little cage. You go buy at the, the, the pet store, and when you put them in there, they can't get out. And he's a Jack Russell Terry, super high energy, super excited all the time. You tell that dog to get in your house, let me tell you what happens. He goes from this. He's like, Hank, he's like, what? We're going to go do something? I'm like, well, yeah, we're going to go do something. We're going to play catch. What are we going to do? I'm like, Hank, you got to come here. He's like, I'm coming, I'm coming. What are we going to do? I'm like, Hank, get in your house. He's like, okay. And he starts moving as slow as absolutely canine possible. I'm like, Hank, you better hurry up, man. He's like, I'm not going any faster than this. I wouldn't tear anything up if you left me in the house. I'm like, you're a liar, dog. You tear the whole house up. Come back and there's shingles missing somehow. You know how you got up there. He gets almost into the little cage which we call a house. So you get in your house, and he does the same thing every time. He gets almost in there, his nose just about to break the threshold of that box, and then he does this right here. Get in your house. Goes in the house. 
I'm the warden. I put him in there. Usually turns around in the house, just looks out the cage, you know. And if you don't shut the door quick, he'll start whining. I'm like, I'm not a porpoise, dog. You can't just talk to me like. I shut the door to the laundry room. I start walking out and I hear. I'm like, what's going on? Get in my car. Drive to church. Preach like a man on fire. Come back home. Open the door. I'm the one that locked him up. And he still acts like I'm a king. I open the door and he's like, boing, 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 until I catch him. He's just jumping, boing, 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 boing. He's like a basketball, just boing, 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 boing. And if you ignore him, he just keeps on boing, 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 boing. And then finally I just catch him, boom. And I hold him right here. He does the same thing every time. He starts licking me. And I do the same thing every time. I'm like, stop it. Don't you lick me. Don't you lick me. Finally, I'm like, okay, I love you too. <laughs> I know it's all funny. But when's the last time you look forward to God walking in the room like that? When is the last time you walked into a room and said, my God, I hope he shows up. My God, I can, I'm doing everything I can to get him to show up. I wish you would be here. Oh, I can't wait till New Heights church service. I can't wait when I get in that room. I'm not carrying my problems in there. I'm carrying my worship in there. When's the last time you got that serious about the things of God? Because he says, I'm looking for people to worship in spirit and in truth. And just because some spiritual or some extravagant worship breaks out, it doesn't mean you have to like hit pause in the moment and quote a scripture. That's not what he means by spirit and truth. Just because uh, uh, the truth is being preached with fire and vigor, it doesn't mean we have to wave flags and banners every single time. Nothing wrong with any of this. But it doesn't have to happen at the exact same time. Sometimes the most appropriate thing is to magnify God with your whole heart. Sometimes the most appropriate thing is to listen to the word of God in hopes that it might change us a little bit more. Spirit and truth. And the most truth you have doesn't make you exempt from passionate worship. And the most passionate worship you have doesn't make you exempt from knowing the truth of his word. Because they work together. And without one, the other one is hampered or, 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 or hesitated. It's slowed down. He said, I'm looking for people to worship in spirit and truth. Now, the beauty of today is because we had our kids leading worship. Didn't the kids do a good job? Come on. I think the next generation is going to be all right. But Jesus was asked in Matthew 18, verse number 1, he was asked, who's the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? His disciples asked him. And they said this, he said this, Jesus called a little kid over to him, and, and I believe he set the kid in his lap. I don't know for sure, but I believe he set the kid in his lap. And he said, listen, you can't even get to heaven 
unless you are converted. Somebody say converted. Converted and become as a little child. Then that's how you actually access the kingdom of heaven. Now kids are very interesting because, and this is the part that may really step on our toes as parents. But kids are very interesting. Every time you see your kid go to the next level, you're almost always too late. Because a lot of times as parents, we're not challenging them enough. And what happens is a television show or a computer program or something on a phone or an iPad nowadays is 2019 stimulates them more than we are actually strategically stimulating them. When I was growing up, it was a guy named Mr. Rogers. It was a great show. But I was glued to the TV. Because he would, he would teach us things about being nice to your neighbor. Won't you be my neighbor? And he would bring people in. They would do science experiments. They'd bring pilots on the show. They're like, oh my God, I want to be a pilot. I want to fly an airplane. That's all I want to do. Then they'd bring an astronaut. And I want to be an astronaut. And it was, just exp- it was just expanding a child's mind. And as soon as they started saying, they would teach us, oh, you know what, we're going to bring somebody in. This person is from France. In France, they don't say hello. They say bonjour. Everybody say bonjour. Then you walk up to your parent and you're like, hey, mom, bonjour. And they're like, my kid's a genius. <laughs> All kids are geniuses. We just don't challenge them. Then, then, then after Mr. Roger came a big purple dinosaur. <laughs> I love you. Stop, please. <laughs> Jesus tanked the wheel. You're sitting there, and you, you call your sister. You're like, you're not going to believe this. Like what? Billy is only six days old, and he already knows the whole Barney song. <laughs> now, I know, you know, I know how medicine tastes going down, but a lot of times we're letting an outside stimulus challenge our kids more than we are challenging our kids. The scripture doesn't say you have to teach them to be children. It says to raise them in the way they should go so that when they get older, they won't depart from it. In other words, we ought to be stimulating them in the areas that God has called us to stimulate them in. And challenge them. I love the kids leading worship. And I think it's wonderful. And I think that they should worship with all their might. But they ought never be able to out-worship mom and dad. You want to to know what's confusing? What's confusing is to tell a kid to worship God. And to tell him to passionately do it. And then not have that that congruent example in the household. Because every kid is growing... Every kid is growing and whenever they look around and they're the only flower in the garden that's blooming that direction, most of the time they stop. So when they're at home and they realize, yeah, I'm at New Heights Kids and God is good and set a fire down in my soul that I can't contain, that I can't control. And then all of a sudden, mom and dad are just grumpy goats in the corner 
And they come out of kids' church and, and you say, hey, come to church with me this Sunday. I want you, I want you, we're going to have a family service. Come in here. And all of a sudden, set a fire down in my soul. And we're singing the same song. And, and the church, the, and the kids' church would be rocking because literally spirit and truth is starting to break out. And everybody's just sitting around. It's just like this. Now all of a sudden, they're trying to figure out, am I weird because I worship God? Don't you remember when you were in, in school and they would bring in the speakers and the assemblies and they would bring in and they'd be like, listen, listen, listen I, I got shot 800 times in a war and now I'm an astronaut and I'm a nuclear physicist and I, I created some stuff and I got 800 patents and you can do it too. Who all believes in it? Everybody's like, I believe I can be anything. Yeah. And then you become an adult and they're like, shut up, sit down, fill out the paperwork and wait your turn. Because something happens between child, between your childlike faith and an adult when it comes to being in the world. That it, the world wants to slow you down. The world wants to take the fire and vigor out of you. The, the, the world will literally knock the shout out of you. It'll take everything out of you. The world wants you to be quiet. Sit in a corner. Don't make waves. Don't disagree with anybody. Now, we don't disagree with everybody just for the sake of disagreeing. Matter of fact, we don't disagree with people in general. We just decree and declare that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. But there ought to be something in your life that verifies that you actually worship this God that you talk about more than you worship the Houston Rockets. Even though we got Russell Westbrook. What's up? <laughs> See, kids, they, they come here wanting to learn and wanting to flourish. Nowadays, it, it's even different. So we went from Mr. Rogers to Barney. Now we got baby shark to do 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 and every one of you are like, you got your, you got your phone out. You're like, they're a genius. Oh my God. They know the whole song. Shark teeth. They're probably going to be a biologist. Look at them. They just love ocean life. It's amazing. When the truth of it is somebody decided to create something that stimulates children when the reality is we should be stimulating them from the time they hit the ground. They're a lot smarter than dogs. And at six weeks old, we expect our dog to listen. Yet our kids, we just let them, we just let them be and flourish. And here's the reality. What happens in a household is if you let the kids lead the household, the kids have more pressure on them than they should have on them. Have you ever heard of paralysis by analysis? Kids are not equipped to start making significant decisions at a young age. That is for you to do. You are supposed to be smarter than them. Three of y'all are like, okay, hang on a minute. I think I might be smarter than Billy. He should not eat golden grams for dinner every single night. See, it's a shift when the household starts getting put in order. And one of the most important things you can show your children is how to worship. Somebody say worship. A couple more points, and we're going to be done. Matthew 22 and verse 37. 
Matthew 22 and verse 37. See, worship is not music. But we can use music to worship with. Worship is, it is an outpouring of the you that is created in God's image. The person next to you can be pouring their heart out singing the same song you're singing and you never touch God. The person next to you can literally be engulfed in the throne, in the throne room because of their worship and you never touch God. I find it a shame that oftentimes in church we wring our worship leaders out. We squeeze life out of them. And we literally live off the overflow of the people around us. And we never tap in. I find it a challenge when I see ministers that are tired. Because they're preaching life. They're preaching hope. They're preaching grace. They're preaching the truth of the word of God. And there's no response. And the truth of it is... The word of God in my mouth is the most powerful thing I have in my life. But the word of God in your mouth is the most powerful thing in your life. And the word of God, understanding the word. As Jesus said unto them, you're supposed to love God with all of your heart, all of your soul, and with all of your mind. Everybody say heart, soul, mind. The scripture said a three-strand cord is not easily broken. Almost everything in the Bible is related to three when it comes to promises. Jesus said, he said, listen, he said, they're going to kill me, but you better be careful because three days later, I'm coming back out of that tomb. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three. A three-strand cord is not easily broken. He said, he said, what you need to do if you really want to see God move, is you got to love Him and worship Him with your whole heart. Somebody say heart. This word in the original language is like the place of your vigor. Like a good football coach can get a team of young men to feel like they can run through a brick wall. Because he'll say stuff like this. Now look, you boys know the whole play. Some of you guys, as soon as I shifted to the football coach voice the hair on the back of your neck just stood up and you started looking for a helmet. You're like, well, tell you what, I want to play some football game. Listen, you boys, y'all all know the playbook. But let me tell you what they did. They came to our house and they came here to disrespect us. But it's homecoming and they're not going to disrespect us in our house because they're going to try to hit us, but they're not going to hit us because we're going to strap it up and we're going to hit them. Now, when you get on that field, I want you to give everything you have. I'm talking about I really want you to put your heart into it. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, I do want to do that. You're all of 86 pounds dripping wet. Your helmet weighs more than you do, but you're thinking, we're going to get them. Because somebody spoke to the vigor on the inside of you, the heart on the inside of you. He said, if you're going to love and honor God, if you're going to worship God, he said, you're going to have to do it with your whole heart. Don't you be giving everything you have to something else and be giving God half. 
If you're going to really see, he said, I want to see spirit and truth. He said, the time is now for people to rise up and worship in spirit and truth. He said, when you worship, you got to do it with your whole heart. Don't you come in here and restrict and reserve something. Don't you walk in here like you're walking into Target. Don't you walk in here like you're walking into Walmart. Don't you walk in here walking into the public library. This is the house of the living God. This is the place where miracles, signs, and wonders break out. And we didn't come in here to play games. We didn't come in here to do jokes we came in here to give my whole heart every piece of us every fabric of who we are anything you restrict from God is on you anything you give him he will bless and make it better he said if you're going to love and honor God if you're going to worship him you do it with your whole heart do you remember how you use to date your wife when you first met her. Sugar pie honey bun. <laughs> you are looking fine tonight. Let me get over here and get that door for you, girl. Oh, looks like your, your gas gauge is almost at half a tank. Let daddy fill that thing up for you. I don't want your beautiful hands having touched that old nasty gas pump. Watch daddy pump this gas over here for you, honey. Put your whole heart into it. What if you loved your wife again with your whole heart? (laughs) What would your life really look like? You say, well, we're doing okay. When did mediocre become the goal? When you worship God, he said your whole heart. Somebody say heart. Then he said your soul, all your soul. Now, this reference right here is very important because it's literally referencing the place of your emotions, which a lot of, not all the time, a lot of time for ladies, it's easier than for guys because guys, we don't want to be crybabies. But if you withhold it because of your concern, the only time you'll see your emotions is when there's a problem. Because your emotions were created by God and for God. And when you decide to pour yourself out, it's a literal breaking. Well, my dad didn't do that. Well, let me ask you a question. With all due respect to your father, is your father exactly what you want to be? Well, it worked out all right for him. Let me just tell you something. There's more on the line than just you. Your kids are watching. Your wife is watching. Your future wife. I remember I used to be so sensitive to the presence of God that I would just cry anytime. It didn't matter what it was. I would just cry. And I hated it. I was, you know, a teenager. Just cry, 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 cry. I hate it. I said, Lord, I'm not doing it. There would be a good song. You know, come on. Even, even the anointing just in, in when somebody was preaching, it was just happening. I would just be like, man, all right, that's it. And I'd get up and I'd leave the room. Because I didn't want to be a crybaby. I was 18, 19 years old. I thought I was tough. Almost ripped my shirt. Be careful, Jake. 
And I would, I would hesitate until finally I just said, I don't, don't want to do this anymore. I had a conversation with the Lord. He said, he said when are you going to give it to me? I said, fine, whatever. I remember going into a service. I was like, you want me to cry? I'll cry. Let's do this thing. And they were playing like it was the most anointed service ever. It was like just amazing. And I'm just like, nothing. No tears, no emotion. Feeling the presence real strong. And I'm like, wait a minute. And I felt the Lord say to me, all I wanted you to do is give it to me. Because tears doesn't mean God is there any more than no tears means he is absent. Some people cry, some people don't. But if you restrict those emotions, most of the time you'll only experience the downside of emotions. When you're angry, when you're offended, when you're upset. But your emotions are one of the most beautiful things that God put in you. Because when we lock in with our emotions too, so you can have my whole heart like for real, I came here for you. And if you want to touch me, look, sometimes when the supernatural hits your natural, there's a natural response. He said, all of your heart, all that vigor, all of your soul, those emotions. Then he said this, I think it's probably the most beautiful part. And your mind. It's not a church where we want you to go brain dead. You can have two out of the three correct and still be wrong because a three-strand cord is what we're going for. Let me give you an example. Oh, God, I'll just pour myself out to you. Total passion, vigor, my whole heart. Oh, God, I just sent you right now. I'm so emotional. Oh, my God. Number two, your soul. Thank you, God, for making me sick to teach me a lesson. check your mind at the door just because you're experiencing something that you can't see in the Word. God didn't make you sick. So when you begin, when you get into that place, you got to make sure that your mind, listen, you can tell your mind what to do. Because let me tell you what will happen when, when, when worship starts breaking out in the place. All of a sudden the presence starts showing up. You're going to remember the grocery bill. You're going to remember, oh, man, that's right. I got I to gotta, I gotta mow the yard. Oh, goodness gracious, I need to get the oil changed. Oh, man, I got to get the kids up. As soon as that happens, you got to get your mind. You say, nope, brain, we're not thinking about that right now. I'm going to keep my mind stayed on him. And all of a sudden, that three-strand cord begins to come and move. And the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. All your heart. All your, when is the last time? And I don't mean this harshly, but honest to God. When's the last time you said, that's the best I've got, and I gave it to him? I didn't know that's what I came to church for. Now you know. That's why we're here. To worship God. We're here to pour ourselves out on the one who poured himself out on us. Oh, 
all your heart, all your soul. Don't let your temper be the only thing your emotions ever feel. You give your emotions to God, He'll heal the other part of them. Don't check your mind at the door. Put your mind in place. I keep my mind stayed on Him. He said He'll keep in perfect peace Him whose mind is stayed on Him. Oh God, give us the day when our church is really in one mind and one accord. When somebody's leading worship and they say, lift your hands and you don't stuff them in your pocket. You're not telling me what to do. When a man of God comes and gives a word and just out of knee-jerk response, you just say, Amen. Because something on the inside of you activates when you put voice to what you believe. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And an unjust balance is an abomination before God. And if you walk into a room and ten people have the flu, you are highly likely to get the flu. The atmosphere has something that can get on you. But it wouldn't be just if you could only be adversely affected by the atmosphere. So when you walk in a place where people are worshiping God, when people come in here and it's their first time to come to New Heights Church and they walk in and they go, what is that? Why do I feel better? Why do I feel life coming to me? Why do I want to cry? Why do I want to lift my hands? I don't even understand what's going on. What's going on? It's because the atmosphere is shifted because people have decided to magnify God. Now all of a sudden, people walk in. They say, how how was church? They're like, I don't even know. I just feel better better well well what happened I, just, I don't know well then they were singing some songs I even heard the songs before I heard the songs in my car one time I listened to the KSBJ on the radio I've heard the songs I never heard it was just it was just I don't, something happened because you can set the atmosphere and instead of making people sick it actually heals people I was seeking the Lord about this. He was real specific with me. He said, he said, worship is like a pool that you cannot be thrown in. Anybody have kids, especially in summertime, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Kids love swimming. They love it. My kids love swimming. Adults, we do it a little different. Like we go to the pool and we're like... Okay, yeah, the swimming pool. Let's see here. Is it 86.5 degrees? Because if not, I'm not getting in it. Praise the Lord. You're sitting there. You walk up. You got your, 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 your sun hat. You got your beach towel. You got eight layers of sunscreen on. And you stick that toe in the water. You're like, whoo, no, not today, Jesus. Praise the Lord. That water's cold. And, you, and Billy comes running by seven years old. Cannonball splash. Gets on you. And you're like, Billy, is it cold? You're like, no, it's perfect. Kids swim in anything. But worship is the pool you can't get thrown in. 
And if you've ever been to the pool and, and, and somebody was swimming, you can get close to it and you can get wet and you can think you've experienced the water. But if you come in here and you don't jump in to worship, the truth of it is you're just living off of the splash from somebody next to you. You ever been to SeaWorld? They have these big whales they put in tanks and they swim around. And there's some sections you can sit in called the splash zone. And they'll tell that big whale to come by, and the big whale will come by, and it's like, splash, splash, splash. And it's almost like being in the water. Almost. Because the truth is, you're just living off the overflow of somebody else. Maybe you've never gone all into worship. Maybe you've never said, you know what? I'm going to give him my whole heart. Now, you don't have to like sing the loudest, especially if you can't sing and we know who you are. Come on, you don't have to dance the craziest. You don't have to be that. But there ought to be something about you that verifies that God is who you say he is. That he's worth worshiping with all your heart. If you're more passionate about a holly four-barrel carburetor than you are about the king of kings, then you're out of order. If you're more passionate about a sale at Bed Bath & Beyond than you are the king of kings, then you're out of order. Because he's worthy to be praised. When Jesus was asked one time to tell the people to chill out, he said, if I told them that, the rocks would shout. I don't want rocks shouting on behalf of New Heights Church. I want to come to a place, and I want our church to come to a place. And I've been to church my whole life, whole life. I started going to church nine months before I was born. When I grew up, there was no kids' church. Kids' church is like a miracle. I, I tell my kids all the time, like, you have no idea what it was like for a kids' church. And when I grew up, you were quiet. You had, kids had to be quiet in church. Whether or not you were conscious was totally up to you. When I grew up, your parents would ask you rhetorical questions. Like, do you need to go to the restroom? You're like, absolutely not. No way do I need to go to the bathroom. Because when I grew up, the bathroom is not just the place you went potty. You'd be coming out of the bathroom, tears running down your your face, and other parents looking at that mom like, got him, didn't you? You're like, yeah, I got him. The boy's going to be quiet day in church, tell you what. It's a different day. Now we got kids' church, got all these wonderful things. But I long, because I've been to church my whole life, and I'll tell you this much, on a scale of 1 to 10, New Heights Church, it's a 10 from what I've experienced. Every minister that comes to this church says the same thing. He said, my God, preacher, that's the best place I ever preached in my life. The only place I like better than that is my own church. This place right here, boy, they just pull the anointing out of you. I said, I know. He said, man, they really worship. I said, I know. But there's always another level. There's always another level. And God is calling us to new levels. Dare I say, He's calling us to new heights in our worship. He's calling us to give our whole heart. What have you held from Him? 
He's calling us to give our whole soul, every part of that emotional side of us. And he says, he's calling us to give us, uh, give our whole mind. Because when you do that, now we get in one mind, one accord. The atmosphere begins to change. And all of a sudden, the person next to you gets convinced that jumping in the pool of worship is worth it. And let me just say this. If you've ever gotten to any swimming pool, it's the same. Unless it's like the one time out of a million. The water always shocks you a little bit. But then you don't want out. The water, it always has a little bit of an effect on you. But it's a decision. I say, you know what, I'm going to do it. Let me just give you a couple of keys real quick, then I'm going to close. We don't lift our hands because it's cute. We lift our hands because the Bible says without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. He made our hands holy because He bled out of His hands. The Bible says we lift up holy hands unto our God. The Bible says in Lamentations that when we lift our hands, it's like we're lifting our heart to Him. Boom! It's like, here, Dad, only you can fix this. We don't just lift our hands. We're not just, we're not just doing it. And it's one of the... Now, this is going to sound so simple. And for you, you guys who are free in this, and you're like, I lift my hands. Ooh, praise the Lord. Oh. I'm not talking to you right now. But you remember before you were that way, it felt like your hand weighed a thousand pounds. You're like, oh my God. They get up there and start singing. And they're like, man, okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ready for church today. I'm going to come in here. Okay, praise the Lord. 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, town, countdown's almost done. They're done. Okay, now we stand up. Yeah, I got the ritual. We stand up. Praise the Lord. I hope they don't sing Shout to the Lord. That song always makes me cry. And then all of a sudden, Pastor Mount goes, Shout to the Lord, all the earth. And you're like, oh my God, he's singing that song. Makes me cry. Everybody's probably looking at me. Nobody's looking at you. We didn't come here for you. You're holding on to the back of the pew in front of you. You got your fingerprints in the fabric. You're like, oh my God, I want to lift my hand, but it feels so heavy. You're like, ah, (laughs) what will happen if I lift my hand? You lift your hand, you'll get free. Because the international sign of surrender, no matter what battlefield you're on, whenever you lift your hands and you say, I surrender, it's all for you. You sit there. I used to work in construction a lot. And, and, and we used to ride these things they call man lifts. They should not be called that. They should be called death traps. And we would go up sometimes as much as 40 feet. And it'd be on these big booms. It'd be like almost like a, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just like picture a crane with a basket on it that people stand in. Let me tell you what they don't tell you on the ground. When you get up there, the thing sways like 10 feet both directions. And you'll be up there and you'll get in the basket and they'll raise you to the top and you're moving it around. And like you got this little control and you move it. And when you stop, it just kind of rocks itself back in place like that. And the first time you're up there, you're like, Jesus, take the wheel. Jesus, take the basket. Jesus, take my hard hat. Jesus, take everything. Oh, my God, I give my life to you again right now in case this thing falls. Oh, Jesus, I hope I paid my life insurance. Hope this thing goes really good. And God forbid you go up there with somebody who's been on one before. It's like walking into church with somebody who's a good worshiper. 
You're not comfortable. And they're just like, great is thy faithfulness. Oh, God, my father. They've given three people a black eye and two people a bloody nose during service. Bam, bam, bam. And they're like, you just gave me a black eye. You're like, I'll heal you in a minute. Praise the Lord. It's like being in that man lift and that one person's up there and they're standing on the edge of it and they're hanging off and you're over here, you're white knuckling the thing like that and they're like, can you hand me the nine sixteenths wrench? And and you're like, I ain't giving you no kind of wrench. They're like, fine, I'll get it. And they're like, and you're like, are you crazy? And then they find out you're nervous and they're like, what? But then once I've been on one for a bit, now I'm like, hey, drive the thing around because you'll be shocked how quickly you'll get comfortable once you find out the thing was not made to kill you. It's made to take you places you can't go alone. Worship was not made to make you uncomfortable. It's like the pool. It just looks like that from the outside. But once you get in, now you find out the whole thing was for your benefit. You get in with the kids, you find out it it was worth the little shock it took to get past first feeling and now the person over there waving like crazy doesn't look so crazy because the foolishness of God is greater than the wisdom of men oh that's not how I grew up worshiping then you didn't grow up worshiping we take on a form of godliness But we deny the power, the passion, the vigor. Before you know it, we're living in the splash zone of others. And 10% of the congregation is dragging the 90% with them. I wonder what would happen if our 90% started dragging the 10% first-timers. I wonder what would happen if when you left here, the culture of your car lined up with the culture of a service. I wonder what would happen if the culture of your household and the culture of your car and the culture of the church service all looked the same and kids stopped being confused by how come we only sing passionately when we're singing Kenny Chesney but whenever we're singing about Jesus we sing all turned down. I wonder what changed. What's the difference? I wonder what would happen if we all literally got it in one mind and one accord. Would it be like the day of Pentecost when the sound of a rushing mighty wind began to flow in and the Bible says that it spilled out the streets and thousands of people said what is going on they said this is that this is that that the prophet spoke of it all happened when they got in one mind and one accord I wish somebody would worship him with your whole heart with all your soul I wish you would take your mind as I'm keeping it on him and never back off stand to your 
stand here. You, you already are. Stand to your feet if you're not. Listen. This is a challenge. Everybody say challenge. In July, I'm going to be teaching this for the next three to four weeks. If you can be here every service or, you know, every weekend, I strongly encourage you. If you can't, check it out online. But look, the challenge is this. Don't walk in here not ready. Because this is the first teaching. This is 101. And we're going deeper. I'll try to cover some of the stuff. But I don't want to recap all the time. There comes a day, the Bible says, when you get tired of drinking milk. It's time for some meat. Now I'm a Bible man. I teach the word. But God put this mandate on me about worship. And you want to see your worship team go nuts? You give them a mirror. Stop reading the Bible like His praise shall continually be in my mouth as if it was a suggestion. It's a total shift. You say, well, I don't know exactly how to do it. Well, I guarantee you, doing nothing is not correct. So I just sense God's going to take us deeper. Like only He can. So when you come in here, I want you to be ready. And I'm going to tell you how revival breaks out. When you can't deny what's happening, And you say, you say, you have to come to my church. You have to. Well, why do I need to come to your church? I'm just telling you, just, just walk through the door. Will you please just walk through the door? And then all of a sudden, the glory of Almighty God begins to fill and shake a place. I feel Him shaking us today. Just on the inside. Has worship become something else for you? Close your eyes just a moment. Just an honest question. Did it become something else over time? Not like a moment where you, you, you turned, but, but, but has, has something happened? And it just becomes something else. Where you've, you haven't given your whole heart. I don't know all these songs. Impossible. We put them on the wall. You can sing with us. Well, I like it better another way. Well, God's doing a new thing. What has it become? During worship, do you find yourself looking around? Or is it something where you close your eyes because you realize I'm not looking for something I can see with my natural eyes? Well, why do they worship like that? I don't understand. Uh, why do you not worship? Has it become something else? Has a culture from your past dictated your present?
Are you at risk of a rock crying out on your behalf? So what does it look like? Your whole heart. All of your soul. All of your emotions. And then on purpose, your mind. You want wisdom? It starts with honoring God. our hands as we pray Lord if we've made it anything else we repent today we turn from it we turn from anything we've made it other than about you by faith we declare we don't care what anybody thinks about us not arrogant, not haughty. We're just not going to give that thought when we're worshiping you. We're going to pour out our heart. We're going to open up our heart. We're going to pour it out with vigor. We, by faith, we're not going to restrict our emotions. If it's tears, it's tears. If it's not, it's not. We're going to worship you with our mind on purpose. You didn't make us dumb dumbs made us in your likeness, in your image. And we're going to strategically worship you with our whole mind and spirit with passion. That nobody will wonder. I wonder if they love God. You ever seen a grandparent see their grandkid? You don't wonder if they love their grandkid because there's evidence. We're going to worship in spirit and we're going to worship in truth. We're not going to decree and declare that you're not what you say. And you say you're a healer. You say you're a present help in time of need. You say you're a strong tower. We can run to you and be saved. You say that you pour out peace that surpasses our understanding. You say that you're the God that takes pleasure in our prosperity. So we're going to declare that. people said amen give him a big hand of praise i hope you enjoyed the podcast today if you did there are a couple of things that i'd love for you to do number one subscribe to our show that way the most recent episodes will always be in your feed waiting for you ready when you are and secondly follow us on social media that is the best way to stay up to date on everything happening at new heights We look forward to you joining us next time on the New Heights Podcast. And if you are ever in the Bryan College Station area, we invite you to come out to New Heights Church for a live service. I promise we'll make you feel right at home.